For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Battaglia, your host for this week's episode of Under the Dome. Today I have a special guest with me. I just learned who's never been on Under the Dome and should have been by now. We have the Charlotte Observer's Will Wright with us. Welcome. Thank you, Danielle. Glad to have you here. Um, So Will and I have been working on a project that came out yesterday for one of our reimagined print packages that ran in both of our papers, so News and Observer and the Charlotte Observer, on um, basically the, I'm trying to figure out how we even want to describe this, Um, basically the rhetoric that we're hearing out of the Republican Party. So we looked at two of North Carolina's top GOP officials that have gotten into a lot of controversies with the things they've said, and that's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and also um, Congressman Madison Cawthorn. So Will very lovingly went up to the 11th district and uh, talked with people up there about what they see um, and feel about what Representative Representative Cawthorn says and how he represents the community. So tell me a little bit about your trip and what you learned up there. Yeah, thanks. I um, had a, had a lot of good conversations, and I was I was uh, came away from it kind of unsure of you know when we went out to find is Madison Cawthorn the future of the Republican Party, um, was just, you know, left sort of still, definitely still wondering. Because, you you know, you get every kind of reaction you can imagine um, when asking about him from from GOP officials. So, uh, but I, you know, heard from some local folks, including uh, Dan Eichenbaum, who's the chair of the uh, Cherokee County Commission. And, you know, he was on the one side saying basically that, you know, he really hopes that Madison is the future of the party and that uh, the establishment, um, for lack of a better word, really hasn't delivered uh, whenever they've made promises. He brought up being unable to repeal Obamacare. He thinks that Madison will do what he says if he has the chance. Um, so you definitely have, you know, talked to a couple people with that opinion. And then you get everything in the middle, you know, from uh, from folks saying, you know, his rhetoric is, is uh, you know, toxic and, um, you know, they just they just don't like this kind of style. So, um, you know, yeah, I, you, you hear everything in the middle. And then, and then one other person in Cherokee County that I thought was interesting um, said that, you know, he liked Madison Cawthorn, but he just wishes that he would come out there more. He felt like he wasn't in the district enough and touring and talking with people and coming to local meetings. So that, that was one thing that I thought was, was interesting where his support was sort of wavering, um, not from the, the kind of things that you, the headlines that we always write about, um, yeah. with, with Madison, but just from the, from that kind of a practical level. Talk to me a little bit about that district. Cause I noticed that in your reporting too, and that district is pretty large. Um, I feel like if I remember right, Cherokee was about two and a half hours from where Cawthorn lives. Is that right? Like, I mean, you covered a lot of ground. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's probably Murphy um, is, which is in Cherokee County is something like two hours West of Asheville. I mean, so it's a, it's a huge, that was one thing that, you know, I've, I've been out there before, but you know, just driving around out there. um, It's just, just such a huge district. Yeah. I mean, you know, just the amount of, uh, the amount of miles you can put on your car out there, um, you know, and it's and it's pretty dynamic and interesting where you have Asheville growing, which is changing the political dynamic around 
just in the even in the counties around Asheville and Buncombe County, um, you have you know county seats that are uh, you know Democratic, you know held by a Democratic mayor, but in very red counties like Haywood, for example, in Canton. So um, just a lot of interesting a lot of interesting stuff going on out there. Yeah, and we picked a really odd and accidental week to do this story because, um, and I don't even know if you know this, but originally the idea was to look at Lieutenant Governor Robinson. um, And this idea kind of came to fruition back last fall when I was still covering the state instead of the congressional politics for North Carolina, because um, he was putting out, or so many videos were surfacing about his comments on the LGBTQ community and we were debating how to cover it effectively. And at the time, there was just so much reactionary coverage to it. And we wanted to look at it more broadly and have people, instead of reacting in the moment, talk to us about, like, is this the future of the party when they've kind of been able to come away from it? But unfortunately, or fortunately for this article, um, Representative Cawthorn had made the comment that uh, that Ukrainian uh, President Vladimir Zelensky is a thug this week and that the Ukrainian government is evil. And those comments came out, I think, about the time that you were up in the 11th district. And it seemed to me from my reporting, I don't know about your reporting, that I felt like we were getting sharper state or I was getting sharper statements from the officials I was talking to because of those comments. Like, I'm not sure our story would have gone the direction it went without those comments having come out because people were reacting in the moment, which is not what we were intending. Yeah, no, I agree. I think emotions were particularly high then. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I wonder how that will, how will, how that will impact things. Um, how did, uh, just for another story was talking with uh, uh, Professor Haney from Duke university. Mm-hmm. He was telling me about how, you know, Democrats in the general election um, and I, this probably won't apply for many of the House districts, but for something like the Senate race, where I wonder how Democrats could say, you know, take examples like that, uh, combined with things like, um, you know, statements around January 6th, and kind yeah. of use those together to just attack the party as a whole, as a, almost almost unpatriotic. They could frame it in that way, you could think. That's something I've been looking at with the congressional races and the U.S. Senate race is, and I talk, we both talked to um, Chris Cooper at the, um, at Western Carolina University a lot. And I've been asking him how to figure out specifically January 6th, but now the Ukraine-Russia war will play into this as well, but just how that could impact my races. Like, will it be a problem in the primary, which January 6th, we thought it wouldn't be an issue till the general election when the Democrats can use that against the Republicans, whatever statements they made. But I feel like we're seeing that right now with the U.S. Senate race a lot, like the Ukrainian comments that um, that uh, Representative Bud, who's running for the U.S. Senate race, has made, um, where he has made comments that um, Vladimir Putin is evil but smart with what he's doing so he's kind of he's kind of complimented his intelligence while still calling him evil and um and former governor mccrory who's also running in that race has picked up on that and used that against him so you're already kind of seeing that i'm assuming although i've been working so much on this project i'm not sure if that's right actually no i can say this um for sure that that's being used against 
Cawthorn in the 11th district race. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I didn't think I needed to look out for this until after the primary, basically. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think in that district, it will, it will come up a lot. Um, you know, that, that's one of those comments that, you know, can last and there is, there's audio so they can make a sound bites. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, his, his Republican competitors, you know, uh, I mean, I think they'll definitely be using that. Do you have any like fun stories from going up to the 11th district? Um, I have one fun story where uh, I, I was in Franklin and just kind of walk around uh, trying to talk to people on the street. And I went into a uh, a jewelry store and talked to the woman there um, who who really liked Madison Cawthorn and wanted him to be the future of the party and liked his youth a lot. That was one thing that she brought up. Uh, I don't remember her age, but she was like, you know, um, we need to just get out and let these young people do their thing. Um, but I, I had been to that jewelry store once before. Um, when I was uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail that goes near there, and they gave me a pen, which I used for my journal. And I went in there after the interview. I was like, by the way, there's no way you remember this, but something like four or five years ago, you gave me a pen, and I used it with the little light on it. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we have those pens still. <laughs> oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was kind of funny. So, that's a story we're going to have to talk about later because I didn't know you hiked the Appalachian Trail. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. And I think I just said it wrong and I'm going to be crucified for that later. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my inner Virginian coming out. Um, so also interesting that you mentioned his age because I did. So we've got a couple of side stories. So we have like the main story for our reimagined print project. But one of the things I looked at is the rise to power that both the lieutenant governor and representative Cawthorn had. And I was noticing like he campaigned off his youth and it seems like, part of how he got the attention that he got was his car accident and like so much media coverage from that. Like I did not realize until we started doing this project, just how much the media covered step by step. Like he got it in the wreck. He's in Florida getting treatment. Now he's in Georgia getting treatment. Now he's homecoming. Now his uh, church is rallying around him. Now his um, parents are renovating their house to make it handicap accessible and um yeah it's just the amount of amount of media coverage you got was amazing to me yeah i i heard that 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 people thought that played into his his initial win quite a bit and you know you you can see that so be yeah. curious you know with, with people having that kind of a personal relationship with a candidate where often it's just you know you hear their speeches and you really don't know who they are what they where they came from their story he has that um, yeah. Yeah. I found it really interesting. Like you can learn so much about him just if you Google before he became a candidate. Like I had to set Google backwards and cut it off before he became a candidate, but there was so much information out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And have you, um, uh, are we going to talk in this podcast all about your findings with uh, Lieutenant Governor or? Yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> I'm just sort of curious, what do you think? How do you think the two are comparable or not comparable? Because I, I got mixed feedback on that from my sources of uh, saying that some people didn't think they were, you know, uh, that it was a sort of a false comparison. I don't think so either, but, you know, um, curious. What I found it really interesting because I got the same feedback that you can't compare the two. And I think, so I think through rhetoric, 
very, they are very different. Like, so Representative Cawthorn doesn't come after the LGBTQ community the way that um, Lieutenant Governor Robinson does. And Lieutenant Governor Robinson often goes after minority groups. He's been known to attack the Jewish community, the Muslim community. Um, I think you could say he's attacked the uh, Black population, despite being Black himself. Um, so his are his attacks are a little different than Cawthorn's attacks. And yet people are okay with saying things like, he is new to politics. He doesn't realize how he's coming across where they're not giving that grace to Cawthorn. And in a way I feel like Cawthorn, his rhetoric is extreme and I really need to be careful what I say here, but like his rhetoric's extreme, but Lieutenant Governor Robinson is actually attacking groups of people very harshly and being like, easily forgiven for it, for lack of better words. Um, and I found that really interesting. He is expected to be governor in 2024 or expected at least to run for governor in 2024. And they're gearing up for that. And my, my overall sense from talking to people, and I was talking to the same Republicans um, about both men. And it was like, Cawthorn's a ticking time bomb that just needs to go away and he's going to self-implode where Robinson just needs to learn to keep his mouth shut and figure out how his words are coming across to people and he's going to go far. And so it was very interesting to me that one's rhetoric was forgivable and one's rhetoric is not. And I, and I'm not sure how they're separating the two. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. I wonder if it has to do with the just the fact that it's groups of people uh, mm -hmm. versus uh, individuals. And I actually can't. I don't. Uh, you you know more about this than I do. I don't know how much uh, Representative Cawthorn goes after individuals, but I wonder about that versus you know if you're going after a, a sort of a a group of people that's um, you know that it just comes off a little bit different. You don't have as much personal beef involved. Yeah. I was trying to tiptoe around that because I know the second that I say like Hawthorne doesn't go after a group of people, we're going to hear about it. Um, yeah. But specifically with the LGBTQ community, I was asking groups that represent that community and they were saying that they would find instances where he would back up Lieutenant Governor Robinson in his statements, but not um, outwardly criticize that community himself. And I had talked with some political scientists who said the same thing and almost to the extent where he seems to uh, be okay with that community being Republican and being in the party. And so it, it's, it's a weird juxtaposition between the two because they aren't, their rhetoric isn't the same, but they're very polarizing just in two different ways. And, right. and they're taken two different ways, but it's hard to see how, one is forgiven and one isn't. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, that'll be, I think, you know, going into the governor's race and this primary, maybe we'll see, we'll get a more clear understanding of why that is. Yeah. I, it will be interesting how, because they are, so it's interesting because Cawthorn also wants governor. He has to wait. He can't run in 2024. He's got to wait till 2028 because of his age. 
Um, and I don't know if that's what he's aiming for, like 2028. I'm not making any... Uh, not making any predictions here, but I, he has said he wants governor. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him in the primary. People are speculating whether the Ukraine statement may have pushed him out. Time will tell. Um, but it'll be interesting just to see how this all plays out there and then going forward, how it plays out for both of them. I think that will be very telling to what Republican voters are actually thinking with the yeah. Job. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I've was, you know, been interested in is for example, whenever, uh, Cawthorn filed in the district that's closer to Charlotte and then went back West, you know, you hear from Republican kind of insiders about how people are upset about this within the party. Um, but I don't know how much primary voters care or even know about that, you know, so that, that's why I've, I've, you know, it's, it's hard for me to tell, how much of those kind of comments are act, how useful they actually are um, from, you know, figuring out yeah the difference between people who are real political junkies versus, you know, just for lack of a better word, just regular people who go to the polls and they do their research, but aren't following it cl- that closely. That's what drives me crazy as a political reporter is because we are so in this world and know too much. And then when it comes to actually covering the election, people, people, don't pay attention as much as we are. And so, yeah, it's really interesting how it plays out. No doubt. Well, that's probably all the time we have for this episode. I really appreciate you joining us. We need to have you on here more. And I didn't say, but Will is also part of our politics team um, helping us out from Charlotte. So I'm happy to have you. Thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. For the News and Observer, I'm Danielle Battaglia with Will Wright. Thanks for listening. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for her weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.